0: Hey, hey, welcome back to On Your Terms. I'm your host, Sam VanderWieland. I'm an attorney turned entrepreneur who helps you legally protect your online business. And today I am sharing with you my biggest takeaways from the ConvertKit craft and commerce conference that I went to in Boise, Idaho at the end of June, 2022. Um, I learned so much, my mind was completely blown. My team has said that I came back like a different person, like all motivated and had all these things to share. And I am just really excited to share this with you because this is all part of something that I want to talk about more, which is that I feel like the online business industry is changing. I feel like there's change coming and I feel like we need to adapt in certain ways. And I feel like we're kind of going through a growth spurt of sorts. And I feel like a lot of what I'm going to share with you today is speaking to to that, but also in what to do. Right. So I'm I'm kicking off this episode by just sharing a little bit about like Um, why I wanted to go to ConvertKit's conference and like what I hope to get out of it, why I almost didn't go um, and what I think people are missing when they don't go to conferences or don't go to the right ones. I then launched into sharing my top 10 takeaways. These range from everything on like marketing strategy to trends, to data and numbers, to public speaking, um, to what success means for you. So we're going to talk about everything in this episode. At the very end, I'm going to leave you with what the overall themes are that I want you to take away. If I could just like zoom out and like zip up and give you a 30,000 foot view of what I want you to take away, not only from this episode, but from all of my takeaways from the conference, it will be what I leave you with at the end. So sit back, relax, or go on a walk, grab your sneaks. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. I'll talk to you soon. So I'm so excited to be talking with you today about my experience at Convert Kit's Craft and Commerce Conference try saying that five times fast, Um, at ConvertKit's Craft and Commerce Conference. (laughs) And I went to it a couple of weeks ago. It was hosted out in Boise, Idaho, where ConvertKit is based. And they have hosted it there every year since they started the conference. Um, But obviously, the conference has been off for the last two years because of the pandemic. So I knew that as soon as things started to pick up again and ConvertKit offered it again, it was something that I wanted to go to. I was so sad I couldn't go to it in the past. I was always like speaking and another conference or had something life-wise going on. So everything kind of aligned this year and I was really excited. I signed up months and months ago and I was really excited about going. And I had a couple of goals in mind. With going to this conference, I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about I think like the importance of conferences, maybe selecting certain conferences over others, all that kind of stuff. And so, hopefully, through me sharing my experience, you can, you know, better choose something that that works for you and that actually helps you to grow your business. So I chose to go to ConvertKit and had these goals in mind of learning more about email marketing, right? Not just ConvertKit's email marketing, like nothing about their software itself. Um, I do use and love ConvertKit, but I actually wanted to go there to learn in general um, more tips about growing your email list, um, nurturing your subscribers more, really like in hearing a lot more about trends and changes in the industry, when it comes to email marketing, that was something I was really interested in in going there for, um, because I feel like a lot of things have shifted, and I feel like things have changed changed with like social media consumption and other like means of of content, and so then that has left me just constantly coming back to this notion that our email lists are so important, right? So I was like, what's new? What's happening? What's coming with this? I also really wanted to go and meet people. I have always gone to conferences and walked away with a handful of great connections, right? I think sometimes people get like intimidated or they get a little nervous about going to conferences that have a lot of people thinking like there's so many people. And in my experience, what ends up happening is that it's almost like going to like a big college, like you kind of find your little group and then you become friends with them and they're really cool. And now I have like these friends from years and years Um, you know, in different conferences that I've gone to. And that's exactly, you know, what happened at this one, too. So I wanted to meet people. And also coming off two years of a pandemic and, you know, (laughs) continuing to work from home, I've always I've always run my business from home. But um, in being even more isolated at home, like no coffee shops, no WeWork, when I was still living in Philly, um, I was going to WeWork all the time. And it's so funny. I used to I used to joke with myself um, because I was working by myself, that I sometimes I would be at WeWork and I'd be like, I think I'm the only person here that actually owns my own business because everybody else at WeWork seemed to work for a company, but be working out of WeWork. And in Philly, WeWork's a lot of people have their actual offices there. So it was just kind of funny. But even just being in that environment, of there were a lot of startups and people doing cool things. And I get really inspired by the diversity of entrepreneurship, right? Like, I don't need to be around a bunch of other coaches or legal people or people in online business. Like, I love being around creatives and writers and like cinematographers. I mean, literally anything, right? It's, I think, being around people who are super passionate about what they're doing it doesn't really matter what exactly they're doing. It's just really helpful to be in that energy, you know? So that was a huge goal for me in going to this conference. I just like after the last two years, I kind of needed that little like shot of being around people who were equally as passionate about whatever they were doing as I am. And I was so excited to go to ConvertKit. Like I said, I signed up for it a long time ago. And then my dad, you know, kind of Suddenly passed away in the beginning of May. He had cancer for a long time, but like I didn't think he was going to pass now. And I was like, shoot, I wish I didn't sign up for this thing, right? Because I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave home. I didn't want to be around other people. I didn't feel like introducing myself or being uncomfortable or not being in my own bed. And um, yeah, just like the whole thing, it just kind of zapped, you know, and I think that's pretty like reasonable and normal. But over the coming weeks like after my dad passed and before I went to convert kid at the very end of June, I think it was a really good lesson for me on black and white thinking and a lot of my friends were really helpful in, in talking this through. So it's not and I, I wanted to share this with you in case this is something that like comes up for you about going to big events or conferences or meetups or whatever it is, right. It's not a go, don't go decision, right? Or it doesn't have to be, I should say. It's not that black and white. So when I was thinking about going to ConvertKit after my dad died, I was like, I just shouldn't go anymore. It went from me being super excited to being like, I don't go at all, right? And as I thought about it over the coming weeks, it was like, maybe we go and we like get the most out of this that we can based on where we're at, based on how comfortable we are in these environments, based on what our goals are. What we're up to in our businesses, like what resources we have. And that's that. So that's kind of how I went to WeWork or to to WeWork. I wish I went to WeWork. That's how I went to Convert Kids Conference. I went in there saying, you know what? I'm not in the mood and I'm not myself. I'm not my normal self, but I'm going to go with like an open mind. I'm going to drop the expectations of what I originally had hoped to get out of all this and how like I was just going to be my normal, like I'll talk to anybody self. And I'm going to go. And I'm really, really glad that I did because this conference was mind-blowing for me, right? In my experience, sometimes you go to these conferences and sometimes the content is, in fact, mind-blowing. And there were several of those moments and lectures and all this kind of stuff that I I experienced at ConvertKit. There are also, though, sometimes I feel like these moments where you just needed to, like, hear something. It could be the most simple like duh thing. It could be something that you've thought about a million times in the past. It could be something that you've wanted to act on in your gut, but you haven't. And then you go and you hear it from somebody else or in a different way or in a different tone. Or sometimes for me, it's like I hear the opposite. I hear somebody saying, don't do that. And that's what solidifies in my gut that I do want to do it right to me. Conferences or things like this are just as beneficial because of that stuff. So, yes, I learned, like, the most incredible knowledge, and I feel like I walked away from so much. And as I'm always encouraging you to do, you have to kind of keep chiseling away at your version of business, your way of marketing, your way of, like, speaking to your customers, your writing style, all these things. It has to be your way, right? Right. And one of the best ways that you can do that is being exposed to a lot of these different thoughts and opinions and ideas, but filtering them, not just accepting them. Right. So not going on Instagram and saying, oh, everybody who's on here who has a lot of followers is doing it right. Therefore, I'll do it like them. It's just a way of doing it. And then you can kind of take that and say, how does that how does that map on to like me and my story and what I want to do or my personality, my way of speaking and writing? Right. So I always think I and if you're a customer of mine, you've heard me give this visual many, many times. But I think of business sometimes as an ice block. Like, you know, if you've ever seen those guys with like the what do they call Sauce, I think or like and they and they like chisel away at the ice. Right. And they'll make a sculpture. They'll make like a dolphin out of this big block of ice. I like to think of all of these experiences that you have in your business every time you're exposed to something, every time you read something, as like you deciding to carve that sculpture out for yourself and making whatever your dolphin is, right? And so mine would probably be a cup of coffee, but you can make your ice sculpture whatever you want to make your ice sculpture. The point being is that when you go to these conferences, you start to be inspired by certain things and be like, oh, that's more the, what I want to do, how I want to be. And then there were other things I walked away from being like, whoa, that is not what I want to be. All of those things are at carves, right? They all help to carve. That's the way i like to think of it. I think that people in our industry sometimes don't go to conferences um, enough, right? Um, I sometimes I go to these Like events, and then all these people will write to me on Instagram and be like, Oh, like, do you recommend that somebody goes to this? I'm like, Of course, this is so helpful, but it's about picking the right kinds of conferences, right? I feel like we spend so much time in our businesses. Well, at least I did in the early years, and I know this might be true for you if you're in the earlier stages of business. Of spending all this time and all this like free crap online, right? So all this like free virtual events and like downloadable things and all of that kind of stuff. And it's it's funny because looking back on it, when I've gone to these more like live in-person events, I think you get more out of um, you know, like convert kids conferences to full days essentially. You get more out of that than you could get out of like a million virtual <laughs> conferences, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. But I feel like this should be when it can be, when it's when it's um, a possibility for you resources wise, this should be a focus in your business is some sort of regular interval of these kinds of things. Even if you start it like once or twice a year, maybe it's once a quarter would be like, you know, pretty. That would be like a lot. But I think as much as you can handle and it would be more about quality over quantity, so not just like going to any conference, but going to good ones so I understand that traveling too is expensive and I want to be sensitive to that. So it costs a lot of money to go out there. Uh, the conference itself is not expensive. It's I think very affordable for what they give you. So shout out to convert kit. Cause I think that they keep it super affordable. Um, they actually have the tickets on sale already for next year, which I'll, you'll all talk about a couple of times. I'm not like a, an affiliate or anything like that, but just a, a, like really highly recommend that you go to this again next year. It'll be in June in Boise again. Um, And I think that they offer a really like high value conference for the price, especially it's really the travel. Right. So I understand that the travel is expensive and I stayed in a nice hotel because I like nice hotels and all that good stuff. But I want you to know that that's not how I started. Right. So I didn't start by flying To Boise and like, you know, all that kind of stuff and going to conferences for days on end. Because back when I started my business, I couldn't have afforded to take that time off. So I, or to travel. So I started local. I would go to like, I literally started like on the most local level. Like I went to like little workshops. I hosted little workshops, which then like prompted other people to host workshops at this place, at this like uh, cafe Then I started going to like conferences in Philly and like meetups in Philly. And then it would be like New York, right? Which if you're not from our area, like New York and Philly are not far away. So, But it was like still like a train ride or I'd go spend the night in New York. And it just kept growing. Right. And then I started speaking on stages and it, it just kind of like went and went and went. So don't be it, again, no black and white. It doesn't have to be either. You go to like a big national conference or nothing. You can start local and grow. But it is somewhere I would focus some of your budget um, when you can. I also want to encourage you not to only build your online businesses online. Um, I think that's a common mistake that a lot of online business owners make. Even if you know, even with somebody like me, where my whole business is online, my I have a digital commerce business essentially. I make so many great connections in person um, at these conferences, and I learn so much. You don't only need to learn through Instagram or through webinars. You can also go do stuff in person. You can go meet people in person. If you're a coach, I highly, highly recommend that you get involved in your community. I built my health coaching business by going to work, like hosting workshops in person and like going to a lot of different meetups amongst business people in person. Right. So, yes, you can offer all your services virtually if you want to. But that doesn't mean you only need to market your business online. Doesn't mean all of your connections need to be cultivated online. So with that. I'm going to share with you today all of my conference takeaways. I would definitely recommend that you listen to this episode probably more than once and that you take notes. This is going to be a good one. Before we get into it, let's read our review of the week. Um, Tata Surat says, I love listening to On Your Terms. Sam is incredibly knowledgeable and an outstanding teacher. She makes the less fun legal parts of running a business actually interesting and enjoyable to learn. I'm also an Ultimate Bundle member, which has helped me tremendously in my business. So I was stoked when she started a podcast because I I love learning from her. I listen while I'm doing chores around the house and always feel like she's right there talking directly to me. I can't recommend it enough to anyone who's starting or running an online business. Well, thank you so much for leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you listen on Apple to my show on your terms, leave a review of the show and you'll be entered to win a $20 Starbucks gift card. All you have to do is leave a review. If you listen on Spotify, just go ahead and give the show a rating. It's really helpful to spreading the word and keeping this show free to you. So let's get into all of my conference takeaways from craft and commerce. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do for you in this episode. I took copious notes at this um, at this conference and everybody when I was at the conference and and I was sharing what was going on, like on Instagram. And then afterwards, they were like, would you be open to sharing your notes? And I couldn't figure out a great way to do that. So you know what I'm going to do? I synthesized my notes for you, essentially. So first, I'm going to go through. I'm just going to kind of give you like a random smattering of all the highlights of things that I learned at craft and commerce. These are both things that people said who came to speak at craft and commerce. And then things that I am going to, I don't know, I guess that I like boiled down and, and had some realizations that I had through things that I learned. So it's a bit of, of a mix and I will I will cite where proper. Um, the other thing is that at the very end of the episode, I'm going to give you like the big picture, 30,000 foot view highlights of the big takeaways I want you to have from this and that I personally am walking away from, because ironically, one of the things I walked away from with this conference is that we need to be looking at things in our business from a more global perspective. Sometimes we need to zoom out. We need to get out of the little day to day of all this like minutiae and social media crap, and we need to zoom out and we need to be thinking big picture, future, long term strategy. So that's how I'm going to do this. So buckle up, buttercup. Let's do it. Okay, conference takeaways. Here we go. Number one, blogging isn't dead, or at least it shouldn't be forgotten. I can't tell you how many people spoke at ConvertKit or who I met at ConvertKit who are still blogging, who are, you know, maybe blogging is like the wrong term. Maybe that's part of the problem. I think that too often people just don't have content on their website that is written to drive traffic to their website, to attract their ideal client, to nurture them, to to like become to help with like brand awareness. Um, and so creating content that lives on your website overall is something that was huge that I took away from this um, and that a lot of people are using their email list to kind of do that. Some people you know some people are putting essentially their posts in their email. And sending it out to their email list, but then taking that same content and putting it on their site and optimizing it for SEO purposes so that they're driving traffic to the site. That's what I've done a lot and that's worked really well. That's not something I, be, I see being done hardly at all, let alone enough in our industry right? Because it's like much easier to sell you a course on like growing your Instagram following or getting more YouTube subscribers, but telling you like you have to write these articles and like do some research and like be a good writer and put them on your site and and figure out a little bit of SEO. I taught myself this uh, on the very most basic level when I started my business. It's something that you can do too. Of course, there are also lots of people that can help you with that or who can do it for you and all that kind of stuff too, just depending on like where you're at and your resources. But you'll hear me talk a lot today about like blogging, SEO content, uh, evergreen stuff. The second thing that I took away from this conference is that this was one of mine that I just kind of like pulled out of my notes as as a summary is that you need to diversify your marketing strategy. You should not be building your house on social media's land right? We hear people say this a lot, like, don't build your house on rented land. Social media is rented land. It's not ours. We don't know what's happening with it. We can't control the algorithm. You can put out the best content ever. We have no idea how many people are seeing it. I don't believe that, like, I'm not trying to say uh, that you shouldn't be on social media or that you shouldn't create content for it. What I just feel like I walked away from craft and commerce thinking is like, well, we spend way too much time on this side of our business, meaning the rented house side, and not nearly enough time buying our own land and cultivating our land and building the house on our land, right? So personally, I can just tell you what I'm going to do and you can take what you want from this. But I felt like Convert ConvertKit's conference was a well-needed and deserved slap in my face to get back to my foundation. I built this business and the reason it was so successful and has continued to be is because I've focused on foundational content, content that lives, content that has a purpose. It goes somewhere. It doesn't die on a cutting room floor on in Instagram, right? So I've shared before how the I've had phases in my business where like when Instagram stories became really popular, I all of a sudden started doing all these Instagram stories and then realized, oh, this stuff all goes away after 24 hours, right? So if I Am not taking care of cultivating my land, my own land, you know, um, then I have no business working so hard on the rented stuff. I think it's not a black and white thing. I think we we work hard on our own stuff, like you you do SEO stuff, or you have a podcast that you title, you know, you title SEO optimize, and um, you turn that into a post on your site, or you have a YouTube channel and you do the same thing, but. And then we are also on on social media to like cultivate the connection, build community, have some fun, you know, brand awareness, all that kind of stuff. But that should not be where we're building our house. and and personally, I needed a little bit of that slap slap to like get me back to what I knew in my gut was the the right thing for me, the right long-term strategy. um and just what honestly keeps you in like a better mental space too. So, I think there was another part of this that that came out of my notes from this conference was not just about not focusing on social media so much and and getting back to some like more foundational evergreen content roots, but it's also about diversifying our marketing strategy off of social media. So cultivating our email list. Obviously, they talked a lot about that, right? Um, Really focusing on when we create content is like, how are we taking those people from Instagram and getting them onto our email list and giving them something of value And nurturing them so that they're not just sitting there on social media, right? And we're trying like our hardest every day to reach a tiny percentage of them. Um, You know, also focusing on getting on stages, speaking on people's podcasts, um, speaking at conferences, getting if you're in the earlier stages of your business, a great way to start is trying to speak at virtual summits or at those local workshops like I talked about or a local conference if you have that, right? Right. So just diversifying your marketing strategy, not only off of social media, but even off of just like online stuff. The third thing that I took away from this conference was that the most successful people who, you know, everyone there is successful. And I don't define that, by the way, by making a lot of money, I could give a crap less but to me it was like people who are happy who are running profitable businesses no matter how much profit they're making who are happy with it who have a nice balance in their life that's typically like what i'm looking for and who seem to enjoy what they do and are really good at doing it like they're actually helping people they're offering something that's that's useful that's that's helpful the most successful people weren't messing around with the little things or trends they weren't for the most part on tiktok actually a uh, interesting thing I noticed was that most of them weren't even on Instagram. They weren't they weren't messing around with like dance reels or lip syncing or (laughs) any of this other kind of stuff. They were like, that's that's like they thought that was almost like interesting that we were all doing that. Like everyone I talked to, I would be like, yeah, but what about this? And like, aren't you worried about this on Instagram? Or but now they're saying Instagram's dead. And what about TikTok? And they were like, hmm, I'm just like building my email list. And you know, we work on SEO really hard. We, we work on our titles and we, we hire good writers or we write, you know, we some of them were still writing all their own stuff. And they're like, we just focus on our writing and we're building a genuine connection with their audience, not through social media, which, again, was just this like wake up call. Right. I think that um, something that was really impactful was Glow Atanmo from she's at Glow Graphics on Instagram. Highly recommend following her. She was she gave just an incredible talk at ConvertKit. She was one of the speakers. She said that trends lead us to be less unique because we're always trying to be like each other. And that was so helpful to hear from Glow because I was like, yeah, that's true. By there to me, there are two issues with this, like chasing after all the little things, the trends, the The hot like platform or the hot uh, like feature of Instagram of the moment or something like this or of whatever other platform is that not only does it keep us distracted and away from this big picture that you're going to hear me talk a lot about today of building our businesses, but it also keeps us all kind of doing the same thing like each other. So even if you are going to participate in the trend of, for example, creating reels, like that's trend, quote unquote, trendy on Instagram, then what about like doing them your way with your spin or like creating a new unique series or something, something that's uniquely you? I like think of the comedian, Elise Myers, uh, when I think about this, of like just the way, the way that she talks, the way that the kind of like the content of her, I guess she started on TikTok, but I only ever see it on Instagram. Um, even just like the way she does her little like graphics and design on the screen. I just feel like it's very her and it's very unique. And so even though the like, uh, what do they call it on Instagram? Like the surface is, is trendy and meaning that like reels are trendy. Um, the way that she's doing it is, is not now people are trying to be like her, I feel like, but, um, I think that's kind of the way that I would like to think about it moving forward. I also thought something that Glow said around this was super interesting and helpful. She said that too many of us aren't having conversations with our audience. We're lecturing them and that nobody likes to be lectured. And I thought that was really interesting because I thought, you know, one of the things that social media kind of trains us to do is feel like it's our platform and we just get to stand up there with the mic and like we don't have to hear anything back. It's also why people like to leave like mean comments, right? It's just like it feels like you get to like say your side and then be like, "I'm not open for (laughs) for discussion on this." And I just thought that was a helpful little like wake up for ourselves. And I definitely am guilty of this as well. Like we get used to being in like a teaching position of of being in a position of authority and talking um, from a place of expertise for whatever you do, but we have to remember to keep it conversational there. Um, If we're going to be there, that's probably you know, the uh, a nicer way to have conversations and build community with people who are there. So sticking with this, like, you know, not messing around with little things, the little things or trends, I thought Kara Chase, another speaker at Craft and Commerce, um, who did a wonderful job, had she gave this great presentation. She said that we need to peel off the layers of other people's playbook. I was like, oh, that is so good. Right. So you hear me talk. I mean, first of all, it's why I call the show on your terms. But you hear me talk a lot about how important it is to do things your own way and to like follow your own path and not not treat everybody else's way of doing things like it's the standard and you just need to follow it. The the reason I hate that in particular is because what if. Their standard isn't actually the best idea, right? Like when I started this business, there were a couple of other people who are doing uh, like a similar style business, but nobody was doing it in a way that I thought was a really good idea. Whether that's true or not, I, I wasn't sure at the time. But if I had just said, OK, they started the business to look like this, therefore I'll start the business to look like this. That would have put me in a box. It would have limited me. So don't let the way that other people are doing things be the definition, be the boundary that you're, you know, like not allowed to go outside of. That's just an example. It's their playbook. You can create your own playbook. So I love that Kara taught us peel off the layers of other people's playbook. It's also why I always am telling you unfollow people in your space and people always write to me and a lot of people say like, oh, thanks. That was so helpful. Other people will be like, well, I'm just going to mute them and like I'm not going to see their stuff. That's fine. Whatever you need to do. I don't know if following them is like performing some function for you. I'm not sure if you're ever going to hire them. But otherwise, just in my opinion, it's like just unfollow. I've never followed to begin with. I'd never understand it when lawyers follow me. I don't exactly understand what they're trying to get out of following me. And (laughs) it just doesn't feel good from my perspective. Um, And it just helps me to keep my head down. I don't have to peel off the layers of other people's playbook because I don't even know what their playbook is. Right. I don't know what it looks like. And they really shouldn't be looking at mine. We should all just be like creating our own playbook. And that doesn't mean that we don't support them and wish them the best and bless and all of these things. We, we do that. We want everybody to succeed. There's more than enough room for all of us. I just don't know why I have to like watch it or yeah, or be influenced by like how they're doing it. I want to make sure like I keep my my playbook very clean and clear. The last part of this, like not messing around with trends thing um, that I wanted to share was that Tim Urban also spoke at Craft and Commerce, they had just a crazy lineup of speakers, shared this concept with us, which, you know, spoke directly to my heart, where he talked about the chef versus the cook. So the chef experiments, they create original recipes, right? Maybe they even create something that's never been done before. The chef is somebody who like on Chopped on Food Network can take a basket of the most random ingredients in the world that you would never put together. And they can make something extremely unique. The cook, on the other hand, is somebody who takes that chef's recipe and replicates it, right? They they follow steps. They are cooking other people's food. They are not creating anything original to them. They are following instructions and replicating and executing. So I think that that's really helpful in your business to const- constantly be asking yourself, am I being a chef in this or am I being a cook? Right. And what I see in online business is a lot of cooks. Right. And I think that sometimes when people are like, I can't believe this person is so successful, what you're actually seeing is that this person was a chef. They were acting like a chef. They did something unique. They did something different. And Tim Urban encouraged us when when thinking about this to ignore what's normal. Right. So, Part of this is that, again, going back to this idea of like, if you're only looking at the way that other people are doing this in your space, that's the quote unquote normal. And then you're limiting yourself by looking at that and seeing like, this is the way I have to do it and by by getting it out of the reason i'm encouraging you to like unfollow unsubscribe whatever is because by getting that out of your vision you can actually start to come from a creative place where you can envision and and see something that maybe nobody else has seen before right that's possible as entrepreneurs we have we have those kinds of brains but you need to give yourself the space to do that my mom when my when i was little my mom went to med school And so she graduated when I was like, I don't know, seven, eight, something like that. And when she wanted to go start her own practice, she never wanted to go work at a hospital. My mom wanted to do integrative medicine. She was like way ahead of her time. And my mom was like, I'm going to start this practice and I'm going to do integrative medicine. And I'm also not going to take insurance because insurance isn't going to pay for it. But people can like submit for reimbursement. And I remember, I mean, I was like eight. I didn't know anything. And I remember people would tell me like, your mom's crazy. That's crazy. You can't do that. Like, first of all, you can't you can't be like a new doctor who just like starts her own practice. You can't do integrative medicine where you tell people like food is really important and movement and mindset and all this stuff like that's crazy. It's all about like, I don't know, other stuff. And you can't not accept insurance. No one will pay you. And she was just like, yeah, I think it's a good idea (laughs) just because nobody was doing it. didn't mean that that wasn't something she could do, right? And so I was fortunate to grow up watching somebody who, like, my mom has the confidence of, like, I don't know, a a titan. Uh, And she was just like, just because it's not normal doesn't mean I can't do it. you got to ignore what's normal, right? That might be what you actually need to break through and come up with a good idea. But you can't do that if you're just absorbing all this stuff from all these other people and making that your box, your limit. Okay, number 4. Let's get to number 4 takeaway. People get down with the numbers. Successful people get down with the numbers. They know acquisition cost, they know churn rate, they know lifetime value. They know like how many subscribers on average they're growing and what rate and what they're losing and all of this kind of stuff not from a metrics perspective not from a vanity metrics perspective but more like they're digging into the data to get feedback on like what's working and what's not i think that you know if you're implementing something like let's say you're going to um, email your list commit to emailing your list once a week or you're going to e- commit to doing now twice a week you have to commit to that for long enough that you get some data out of it and i think that's a mistake that earlier stage entrepreneurs make a lot is that they make a lot of changes really quickly and then don't track anything. So they don't do anything that's for long enough that's trackable and they just don't track anything, period. So I think like if you were going to do that with your email list, for example, even just something as simple as that, where are we tracking this? Do you have a spreadsheet where you're talking about this, where you're going to track open rates, click-through rates, subscriber numbers, how many you're adding every month, how much you're losing every month, you know? So we understand how you're growing over time. Does emailing them once a week help? Does it get the open rate up? Does practicing something with your subject lines, you know, help? All that kind of stuff. So that's what we want to do. You want to take, leave little notes in your um, spreadsheet. Like if you start, for example, um, editing the preview text of your emails to your email list, which I do sometimes, which is like where you change the line that they see in their, uh, right beneath their subject line in their email. So that's not the first line of the email. You can put like a little summary or something. If you start doing that, you know, note the date on your spreadsheet when you start doing that. Does it help? Does it help people open the email more? If you start changing something with your links, do your link click through rates change, you know? So track. They like numbers, these people. That's what I noticed. Tip number five, that I took away from this conference is that titling things is so important. I just felt like it was like a wake-up call about titling. And I'm talking about titling your podcast episodes, your blog posts, um, the subject lines of your email, literally everything, everything that we're titling. I thought a couple of, of main themes I heard over and over again, and Sam Parr talked about this, um, who's the founder of The Hustle. He said to go with titles that uh, like play to awe, and curiosity, and anger. Um, for the anger piece, I was curious about this one, and somebody asked a question. He he was saying, like, not something that's going to piss somebody off Like when they read it. You're not trying to be, like, inflammatory. But, for example, the, the example he gave on the anger piece was um, an article he wrote titled, Why Buying a House is a Terrible Idea. And it just gets people fired up. People have, like, very strong opinions on both sides about there are people who who think that buying a house is a terrible idea, and then there are people who are like really offended by hearing that. Um, people like myself who bought several houses by now. So yeah, so it's like I'm not I'm not offended, but I'm like, hey, I bought a house. So that kind of emotion, right? I thought that another thing that Sam Parr talked about was that he talked about how our eyes, as as readers and consumers, we see. Like if you were if you were doing a blog post, for example, we see uh, the picture that you use at the top, followed by the main title and then the subtitle. So in that order, your eyes actually see the picture, the title, the subtitle. So he was saying that a lot of people like dial it in with pictures on their site, um, which I thought was really interesting and and something I feel like I've done as well. And so having the picture actually maybe tell you something about what this is. article or podcast episode is going to be about, um, and making it, like a little interesting. I mean, some people make them kind of fun. Some people like play to emotion, but just using these like, um, you know, stock images or whatever, I think might be dialing it in a little too much. So I thought that was super helpful. And then again, focusing on this title stuff. He was also encouraging us not to use sad titles. He's like, nobody wants to read <laughs> sad titles. Um, and then also for searching on topics like he I thought for all of those of you who are in the coaching space, he gave us this really good runout out uh, rundown of like searching Reddit threads. Um, a lot of these guys are really into Reddit, which I thought was another interesting takeaway. But he uses Reddit to see what's going on. Like He, he went in real time and showed us like a Reddit thread about like diet and fitness and then going through there, you can see which posts are getting the most engagement. And somebody in this example, like on that day, had posted something about the keto diet, and it was something about um, electrolytes related to the keto diet. And he was just doing all this as an example. It wasn't an endorsement of anything, so don't worry. But he was just showing us as an example that this was a topic that like people jumped on and people were talking about like crazy on Reddit. And so then he was like, here's what I would do with that. I would go and I would write an article about like, do like, are your electrolytes in the toilet because of the keto diet or, you know, some better title. But the point being, he went and got this idea from looking at like what was going on in this space and what were people talking about. And somebody had pointed out an interesting you know, I guess connection between electrolytes and keto diet. So I thought that was a really helpful way of looking at it. Number six were so many public speaking tips that I'm not going to go like super deep into only because Mike Pacquiao was the person who gave all of these incredible speaking tips and I loved him so much and thought he was so great. And no, not just because he lives in Philly um, and I'm from Philly, but Because he is so good at helping you to learn how to be a better public speaker on both on stage and anywhere else on your podcast on Instagram, on YouTube, whatever his tips would really apply. But also he's really helpful in helping us craft our story like when we have to pitch right to like be on someone's podcast to be on stage. And I liked him so much that I asked him to be on the podcast. So he's going to be on the podcast really soon. Um, so I just wanted to give you a couple of the the highlights here um, because I'm going to let him actually teach you how to be a great public speaker. But some of his more, I would say, like mindset tips that I thought were insanely helpful was that Mike said, you have to be entertained by your own speech. Right. And, and remember, when we say speech, we're not just talking about like on stage. If you're not there yet, it, this can be like you giving uh, a webinar or a training on Instagram or whatever. So Mike said, you have to be entertained by your own speech. This had me thinking about like how and what we talk about the things that we're the most passionate about the things that we could talk about in our sleep. Right. They don't feel hard or boring. We don't feel like it's an obligation to have to talk um, about it. Because if it's like that to us, it's going to be like that to them, to whoever we're speaking to. So I think it's really important that, you know, getting getting back and getting centered to like whatever you're talking about in your business to make sure that you are entertained by it. Do you do you think it's interesting? That's going to come through in the way that you talk about it. And you're going to attract other people who are genuinely entertained by it, too. The other thing that Mike said that I just thought was so solid was that he said, don't wait for permission to be good. The audience doesn't need to confirm that it's good. You have to feel like you're the right person to be there. And when Mike said this, I was just like, oh, that is so true. Like you don't you have to feel like you're the right person to be there before everybody else is going to think that you're the right person to be there. That's just how it works. Right. So I thought those were two huge takeaways from Mike's talk. Um, like I said, I'm going to let him give you his incredible public speaking tips. You guys are going to love him. He's just the best. Number seven, Ben Hardy, Dr. Ben Hardy um, came and spoke and he said he talked a lot about the future and how we spend too much time in our current and in our past. And he encouraged us to ask when doing things in our business and when considering you know, making certain decisions, is this a cost to or an investment in my future self? Is this a cost to or an investment in my future self? He was saying that we don't clarify our vision or our goal like for the future. We stay like way too much in the now, in the past. And again, just going back to this like common theme of like staying in these little minutia of like this is what's trendy right now. This is what I want to do right now. This is how many people I want to have following me on Instagram right now. It's all this like small ball stuff. It's not the what is the big vision? Like if you have all these Instagram followers, Even if you have all these people on your email list, like take take away the the more like vanity metrics thing. And I'm talking more about, you know, I'm encouraging you to build things that are more long term, like an email list. What what are you doing that for? Right. What's that? What's the future goal there? And what are you doing with them? How are you nurturing them? Dr. Ben Hardy was saying that we spend a lot of time between the short term rewards and immediate battles. So the short-term rewards are in things like social media likes and followers or maybe like a quick win in your business, right? And we also spend a lot of time in the immediate battles, which is like, I need money now, right? It's a very practical concern. You need to live. You need to make an income. You also have life stress. Maybe you have children or you have an aging parent or you have financial stress or a stressful job, right? So we spend a lot of time just like kind of batting around between those two things. It's like we I hear this all the time from people where they're like, I need to make money fast in my business or I need I'm not making enough. I'm not happy about this. And then they're like posting like crazy on these short term reward platforms like social media. Right. So we're not spending enough and time in the like, is this a cost to an investment in my future self, in my future business? Where is this headed? What's our vision? What's our goal for the future? You can definitely go and listen to um, my podcast episode I just released Episode 51 with Louise Henry. It was a guest episode where she helped us um, focus on goal setting. And I thought that was really helpful. All right. Number eight is all about being high value or generous in value. A big takeaway I had, and one of these was from Glow, actually, where she gave us the example of selling a $29 product. She was like, if you sell a $29 product, your $29 product should not have $29 in value. Right. It should have like a lot more to it. So it should be much higher value so that they actually become a fan. Right. And so kind of getting out of this mindset of like, oh, someone's only paying twenty nine dollars for this. I'm not giving them anything because that's nothing. Well, first, if you have that kind of resentment around it, you shouldn't be offering it. But I also thought this was a really good um, reminder in just going above and beyond. And oftentimes that actually pays dividends. Right. People say that to me all the time. About the podcast, that they get a lot out of my podcast, or they get a lot out of my free legal workshop. And then they're like, they still, they still need the legal templates, they still want to work or be in my community. So it's it's okay to give a lot of value. I also thought it was really interesting that speaking of this value thing, that like there were so many people there who had built these gigantic email lists, right? Like we're talking some millions of subscribers. There were people, lots of people I met who had hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Um, and they were focused on making sure that what they were emailing their list or the content that they were putting out there to generate leads to get onto their email list. So like in a lot of their examples, it was, um, you know, blog posts or podcast episodes they turned to post on their site were really good. And that's what kept people coming in, right? So the content that they're they're creating to pull people in was really good, really high value, actually help people, good writing, well-sourced, all that. And then when they're emailing their email list, they're like sending them really good stuff. And I just feel like sometimes in our industry, the the good stuff part gets lost, right? I've talked about this a lot when I talk about people who teach you how to create courses and encourage you to do this and that. And I'm like, did you ever notice that no one ever talks about creating a good course, like that you have to create a good course? All they ever do is talk to you about what kind of lifestyle it will afford you if you sell courses. But they never talk about how like, your course actually has to be good. It has to be helpful. It has to be original. It has to actually provide some sort of transformation or some tangible benefit in order for somebody to enjoy it and like it enough to A, not ask for their money back, but B, also tell other people about it. And so sometimes I just feel like, you know, there are people who teach you how to get more followers on Instagram or more subscribers on YouTube, but you don't often hear about them. They'll teach you like hacks with titles and things or or descriptions and metadata. But what about good, high quality, valuable content? And I felt like that was just what I took away from so many of the people who spoke. And as I have like over the last couple of weeks, signed up for their emails and gone on their on their websites and read these articles. I'm like, these are really good. They're really helpful. They're unique. They even the think pieces are from like a different angle that I wouldn't have thought of. So high value, generous in value. Okay. I got two more for you here. Number nine, what does success mean for you? That was something I took away from the conference was really getting clear on what success means for you. Not for them, not for her, not for them, him, nobody else. What does it mean for you? Kara Chase um, encouraged us to name three additional success metrics that aren't financially based, that aren't money focused. Right. Think about that. I would love like I would love to hear what yours are. If you want to share them with me, I'm happy to share mine with you. If you want to DM me, I'll DM you back what mine are. Um, But name three success metrics for you that aren't based on money. I think that would be so interesting. I thought like um, Kay He, he was another speaker who was an incredible speaker. He's the owner and founder of radreads.co. He said that he, for example, goes surfing for two hours every single morning and he doesn't start work until 11. Um, Kay, like me, left corporate. Well, he left Wall Street. I love being a corporate lawyer, but he he left this life that was like hyper structured and rigid and, you know, had worked a million hours and all this kind of stuff. And this is what was important to him. Like, of course, he wants to be profitable and do well. And he's a very uh, he is a very successful guy. And he um, is very driven. You can tell. Right. But these were success metrics for him. Like if his business is allowing him to go surfing for two hours every morning and they also, his team only works a 30 hour work week. I feel like if we could ask Kay, he would say that's success to him. Right. Um, and so I thought that was super helpful to hear. And speaking of Kay, the last thing I want to leave you with here on, on kind of my overarching takeaways is that Kay gave a great talk um, and he writes a lot about this and I'll drop all these like links to everybody's websites and newsletters and everything below. Like I said, he is the founder of Rad Reads. Um, He has this concept called $10,000 work, 10K work. And he breaks down these this like whole system um, of $10, $100, $1,000 and $10,000 work that you do in your business and 10. And and I'm going to try to just like summarize it quickly for you. 10 and $100 work is like the execution stuff. It's like posting on social media, answering your emails, um, sending invoices and like getting clients onboarded. He he defined it as like the dopamine hits, right? Like we get more followers or you get a lot of likes and something. Um, You get a lot of responses to an email. It's like things like inbox zero, um, (laughs) scrolling and engaging um, spending all of our time on social media, researching hashtags, like watching yet another free thing on like, this is the kind of hashtags you need to use or whatever. Um, all of that kind of stuff. The thousand dollar and $10,000 work is where we start to get a little bit into the deeper stuff. So we're talking more growth and deep work as a CEO. So the thousand dollar stuff is like the stuff that only you can do, right? You will probably have to do the writing You have to do the videos, the content that shows your face. You know, the speaking. Um, For me, it's things like Facebook ads and tons of writing and recording the podcast and all that kind of stuff. But the 10k work is stuff that where we start to hire and train others to do the things that are the 10 and 100 dollar work stuff, right? So that we kind of get out of it because that pays us dividends. So hiring and training others. Um, one to many opportunities, so things that we can work on that we can create that then can make a, a lot more, right? That staying in this um, like space where we can actually focus on, what I should say is getting in this space where we can actually focus on the big idea, the big vision. Um, Kay actually challenged us all at the conference to spend 25 minutes a week. If we could just commit to 25 minutes a week where you just like laid and did nothing and just had silence and you thought about like big vision, big picture, big idea that you're working on. Maybe you have uh, a little inkling, a little Kindle of something already. And then of course, client work, right? Because for those of you who are working with clients and like servicing your clients, that's really important. And only you can do that unless you have the kind of business where you can outsource that kind of stuff. So those were my biggest takeaways. I want to make sure, though, that I give you some of these like overall themes to walk away with. If, if I could boil this all down, these are my overall themes I want you to walk away with. The day-to-day tasks of our businesses are keeping us from our future. The day-to-day tasks of building our houses on rented land is keeping us from building a legitimate business that is probably the kind of business that you want to have. We create too much content based on trends or on platforms where it's not actually creating leads for us. It's keeping us on a content treadmill and it doesn't allow us to move forward and actually build our business. We're not able to zoom out because we're consuming so much. We're creating so much content that's very short sighted, that has a very limited life cycle. And unless you have like a killer system set up, like I've talked about how I only do like evergreen reels as much as I possibly can. So reels that if somebody watches it today or a year from now, it's still leading them to a place in my business that makes sense. Um, unless you have that kind of system set up, we're spending so much time focusing on that and not enough or some in some cases any time on the bigger picture of long term stuff. Another big takeaway I had is that it is helpful to be super specific and great at one thing. Like you can be known at for just like one thing or one angle or one spin on something. Your email list is extremely important. I can't emphasize this enough. Um I just think that like the email list thing is not going away. We might have changes in how we approach our email list. Um I don't know that I got tons of like here are the trends that are coming or here are changes that are coming up at the conference. Um, but it was more hearing how other people are building their email list and and what they've been doing with this kind of content. Like I've been talking about this entire episode that was really inspirational for me. And like, oh, like don't, don't underestimate your email list. Don't dial it in. Don't just be emailing them to say, here's another blog post or here's this or I'm on this podcast. We want to create community there. We want to give them exclusive content. We want to make it a fun place to hang out. I also took away that we cannot wait for an invitation. We cannot wait. <laughs> I always use the dating analogy of like, if you were looking for a date, you cannot stay at home in your apartment and hope somebody knocks on your door. Nobody's knocking on your door to invite you to come speak on a major stage or to be on someone's podcast or to have more customers. You have to be out there, right? Campaigning. That came from Chloe Weaver who spoke. Uh, she was a cinematographer, a, great, a really cool speaker at Crafting Commerce. and She talked about not waiting for an invitation or permission from others. Not not expecting others either to read your mind as to what you want. Right? In like Chloe's case, she talked about how she's been working her way up the the like camera operator, uh, cinematographer, photography director path in in um, the film industry, and she kind of expected that the people that she was working with on set just like knew that she wanted to climb. But that's not always true for people. There are certain jobs within the cinematography, you know, section of a film that like some people like to stay in and other people like to climb and try all different things. And it wasn't until she actually started to let people know like, hey, I actually do want to be the director of photography. Then people started to be like, oh, OK, yeah, oh sure. Come on in. Right. But she was expecting someone to just like assume or know and read her mind. We can't do that. We also have to take a lot of swings. I think I just walked away from this conference being like, man, these people, they have gone up to bat. They have swung. They've struck out. They have hit grounders. They've hit doubles. They've hit triples. They've hit tons of home runs and they've struck out again after the home runs. And it just is like this massive cycle of taking a lot of swings. And I think that sometimes the danger of social media can be that we're seeing people's home runs. Um, but we're not seeing all (laughs) the strikeouts and and the grounders and the doubles and whatever else. So just remember that as you are doing this, this is all part of the process. You are taking a lot of swings. You need to take a lot of swings. It's important, actually. Last but not least, I want to leave you with be the chef. You knew that was going to be my takeaway, right? Be the chef. You have got to be the chef. You cannot be cooking other people's recipes if you want to create something not only that you're really proud of, but something that's successful in however you define that term. I think that um, it's really uh, tempting in the beginning of, of our businesses to just be like, oh, this is the way it has to be done. But we've got to create something that's uniquely yours. And so for any of you, too, that are concerned that like your space is crowded, more and more people are coming in every day. And, you know, you see all these other people doing what you're doing. And you're like, there's no space for me. Someone's already saying what I'm saying. If you were being the chef, that wouldn't be true. If you're just trying to be another cook, then that could be true because then you're cooking the same recipes that everybody else does. And then why go to you versus the other cook's restaurant, right? But people love going to chef's restaurants. People love going places that are unique and that are uh, innovative And I just want to encourage you to lean into that in your own business. I'm going to drop all the resources that I've mentioned in this episode today. I'll try to make sure you have links to everybody's like website or whatever they have. They have Instagram. Um, I will I will link to that all below. um, And I would love it if you would reach out to me on Instagram and let me know what your takeaway was from this episode. Like Out of all the things I mentioned, which one was the one that you were like, oh, I needed to hear that? I also hope that you liked hearing this recap. Let me know if you liked hearing this recap about the conference, um, because I'm going to another major conference at the end of this month, um, and I would be happy to do the same, but that one's going to be a lot about podcasting and marketing. So let me know if you would like me to do this again when I go to the podcast conference. With that, um, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and thank you so much for listening to On Your Terms.